The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Today's episode of Disability Matters has been previously recorded. Please enjoy today's episode. Welcome to Disability Matters with your host, Joyce Bender. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this show are solely those of the host, guest, and callers. Now the host of Disability Matters, here's Joyce Bender. Hey, welcome to the show, everyone. Here we are this year continuing to celebrate the 25th anniversary of the signing of the Americans with Disabilities Act, and that has been a great year. Special shout-out to my close friend, Yoshiko Dart. Yoshiko, love you. We'll always love you. Thank you for everything you're doing, and I know you're talking back to me from that room right now. Love you, Yoshiko. So we have three great guests with us today. We have three fighters, three disability rights leaders, and we have with us Marion Vessels, Robin Jones, and Oshi Harrison. And we have a lot to talk about. So actually, one thing I want to know is what you did to celebrate the 25th anniversary of the signing of the Americans with Disabilities Act at each center. What did you do? And we'll start with you, Robin, the project director from Lake Erie ADA Center. Yep, actually, we're, uh, uh, Lake Erie is part of the ADA Center I serve. We're actually the Great Lakes ADA Center because we touch on all of the Great Lakes, of which Lake Erie is one of them. Um, we spent a lot of time um, starting a year ago um, before the um, traditional July of uh, 2015 date, starting to celebrate um, by getting a lot of information out to our uh, region um, in promoting the various initiatives that the regional ADA centers were involved in, including the ADA um, Pledge, which is a initiative to get individuals, um, organizations, government entities, religious organizations to pledge their continued support for the Americans with Disabilities Act. So we did a lot of social media blasts and a lot of promotion um, of trying to get people to sign on to that that pledge. We supported um, a total of 22 stops of the um, Road to Freedom um, ADA Legacy Bus Tour in our region. Um, they came through several times in the past year, and we were able to really target a lot of our communities, and our center provided a lot of support to, to do that. But I think what we were most interested in what what's happening on the um, grassroots, uh, what were people doing um, in their own local communities to celebrate the ADA, to generate um, a lot of interest, um, attention through um, media spots and just celebrations so that people uh, marked that um, anniversary date. Um, and um, so I, um, you know, really, I think that that was our, our most important thing was to get that um, recognition out there to, to people. We celebrated and are part of a lot of uh, initiatives were taken at different state government or local government um, areas. Chicago was very fortunate to have its own ADA 25 Chicago initiative 
funded by the um, Chicago Community Trust, and our center has been a central role in that, um, supporting the partners across um, Chicagoland area. Um, it's an effort that's going to go through December of this year um, to celebrate through a lot of uh, activities uh, generating business, government, um, people with disabilities in their organizations. So I think I, 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 what many of us did, and I think that's the most important thing, is look at how could we mark um, both the accomplishments that have been made and, and reflect on those over the last 25 years, but also um, have a call to action for what still needs to be done um, in the next one, two, five, ten years um, uh, to not get complacent where we are, uh, to let's celebrate, but also let's recognize what we still need to do and get um, continued support for the ADA. So that was an important part of um, our, our messaging. Wow. Well, we also, we had the uh, U.S. Disability Rights Museum on Wheels here in Pittsburgh, and it was awesome. We had nonstop celebrations, of course, including what went on at the White House and through the city, but I agree with you about that grassroots part. So important. And, Oshi, before you tell me what you did in New England, I have to tell you, that a very close friend of mine is Chris Griffin, who is now the chair of the board of the American Association of People with Disabilities and has the uh, Disability Law Center in Boston and was so excited you were going to be on the show. So your reputation, your great reputation precedes you. So welcome to the show. And how about you, Oshi? What did you do? Well, thank you so much, Joyce. And a shout-out to Chris Griffin also. Uh, I really enjoy listening to your show, by the way. Uh, in Thank New England, you. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you. Uh, the New England ADA Center was so proud to lead a wonderful celebration on Boston Common. We kicked off the day with a march led by the pioneers of the ADA, followed by youth for the ADA. And a New Orleans-style marching band energized 500 marchers we marched over to the stage where speakers, musicians, wow. and poets with disabilities performed. And at the same time, family-friendly activities were going on, such as yoga and dance for people with disabilities. And the Museum of Science and the Museum of Fine Arts led kids in activities. And, of course, there was a clown and face painting. And we had 45 exhibit tables to educate everyone about how this law benefits all of society, from work to recreation. And, you know, Joyce, with the money that we raised through sponsorship, we now have an ADA intern program at our ADA center in Boston. It was a fabulous... No kidding. Oh, that is so good. The weather cooperated. Yes, the weather was great. And uh, we have photos and soon a video at our website, ada25boston.org, and we're keeping the conversation going on about this anniversary at hashtag ADA25Boston. Okay, so that is ADA25Boston.org. Is that what you said? Yes, that's our okay, website. Okay, ADA25Boston.org. That sounds great. And what is that hashtag again? Hashtag ADA25Boston. Wow, I'll tell you. I'm glad to hear you both are looking into the future 
because we had such a wonderful celebration and so important to all of us living with disabilities. But now we have to look at the next 25 years. So I'm happy to hear that you, uh, that you both did that. So, since we are talking about these great ADA centers, I have a question for you, Robin. Uh, when were they first incorporated and why were they incorporated? The um, ADA centers actually came about as part of um, the initiative that was started um, right after the ADA was passed. So if you would look to the ADA itself under Title V of the ADA, um, there was a requirement that federal agencies provided technical assistance on the Americans with Disabilities Act. Um, so many of the federal agencies um, developed a variety of different methods of doing that. And the Department of Education, National Institute on Disability Rehabilitation and Research, um, often referred to as NIDER, but um, which has recently changed its name um, as it switched from Department of Education over to um, Department of Health and Human Services. It's now um, called uh, the National Institute of Independent Living and Rehabilitation Research, or NIDLER. So um, we have all these acronyms. But anyway, they um, looked at what was needed in, in consult consultation with some of the other federal agencies, and much of the efforts for technical assistance and such were coming out of federal agencies within the Beltway, you know, within Washington, D.C. area. And it was recognized that um, as long as that technical assistance was tied to in the enforcement um, agencies that there may be some reluctance um, for individuals and entities to tap into that technical assistance. Um, and uh, there was a need for technical assistance and training and uh, more grassroots um, implementation of the ADA out in the community. So the Department of Education, the, um, NIDER, um, developed a RFP to establish 10 um, national centers following the regional structure that was used by the Department of Education across the country, um, and they then put out an RFP for that, um, and that occurred in uh, the summer um, of 1991, and the centers were then awarded to 10 entities or organizations um, within these 10 regions across the country, uh, and we had our first meeting um, in uh, Arlington, Virginia, out uh, near um, the airport and such, and brought together um, all of these 10 entities who knew nothing about each other necessarily and um, came together with all of the other grantees that had uh, received funds from the various federal agencies to do different types of activities and thus became the uh, 10 uh, National ADA Centers. So we've gone through uh, different renditions over the last 25 years. This is actually starting October 1st, the 25th anniversary of the ADA National Network. So it's fitting that we're not only celebrating the ADA anniversary, but also celebrating the um, anniversary of the ADA Network um, as well. So the 10 centers have as their core mission to promote voluntary compliance of the American um, with Disabilities Act. Um, and we do that through a variety of different uh, education, training, um, and technical assistance activities. So we are on the street, on the um, phone, on the Internet, on social media, um, in your community um, as a resource to uh, respond to questions you might have um, about the ADA. Um, we're not directly involved in enforcement. Our goal and objective is to promote voluntary compliance and help people understand what they need to do to comply with the law. And, yeah, that, what is your website? 
Uh, the website is www.adata.org. That's also our um, hashtag um, as well. And from that website is where you can find out about all of the national um, initiatives that are undertaken by the ADA centers, but you also can locate your regional center off of that website as well. So you can go directly to that website and access all of our national resources. But if you want to find your individual center, you can do that um, as well um, and find the website of your individual center. We also share an 800 number, um, a common 800 number that is the same uh, no matter where you're calling from. Uh, that is 800 949 4232. Uh, and that, uh, some way that Ma Bell um, knows wherever you're calling from, your area code, um, which center to send you to, and that will link you to this um, ADA center in your area via the telephone. Okay, could you repeat that number one more time? Sure, 800 949 4232. And that's both a voice and a TTY number. All right, and with that, we're going to go to break. If you just joined us, we have been talking to Robin Jones and Oshi Harrison, and they are with ADA Centers in Erie and the surrounding Great Lakes. Is that right, Robin? Yes, right. Um, the Great Lakes, the six states of the Great Lakes region is for mine, yes. Mm-hmm. And Oshi Harrison, the director in New England, both with ADA Centers. This is Joyce Bender, America's Voice, where disability matters at voiceamerica.com. We'll be right back. Don't go away. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Since 1985, Bender Consulting Services has served as a national leader in advancing employment of people with disabilities, including veterans with disabilities, with private sector companies, and federal government agencies. Bender assists customers with achieving their diversity and workforce inclusion initiatives by tapping into a talent pool of individuals seeking professional positions, including those in the STEM fields. In addition, Bender services include disability employment consulting, training and technology accessibility through their high-test line of service. For more information, please visit www.benderconsult.com. Hi, I'm Greg Grunberg from the TV show Heroes. One of my personal heroes is my son, who, like more than 3 million Americans, has epilepsy. When someone with epilepsy is having a seizure, their brain is temporarily producing more electricity than their body can handle. They can shake or stare or fall down. They can also even briefly lose consciousness. If you see someone having a seizure, please make sure they're comfortable and safe. And within a few minutes or less, the electrical overload will stop and they will be okay. To learn more, visit epilepsyfoundation.org. Thank you. 
Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. If you have a question or comment, call in toll-free at one 866 472 5788. Now, please welcome back the host of Disability Matters. Here's Joy Spender. Hey, welcome back to the show, everyone. This is Joyce Bender, and we're talking today to Marion Vessels, Robin Jones, and Oshi Harrison for their respective ADA centers. Marion, one of the things we were talking about is what you did to celebrate in your area, and we talked about that earlier, but I realized I didn't get to hear from you. What did you do to celebrate the AD, the 25th uh, anniversary of the ADA? We had celebrations in every state um, and the district um, that were um, localized as well as national celebrating the anniversary. We're very fortunate to be here in the nation's capital, so there were multiple celebrations in D.C. But in every area, there were um, very small localized ones as well as some big statewide ones um, that uh, celebrated the anniversary, including a large parade in, in Philadelphia that included uh, the Constitution Hall, uh, we had a parade and um, a big event in Delaware at the Capitol. Um, so there was lots of lots of celebrating going on. That's awesome. Well, Oshie, we talked to you earlier, uh, and as I told you, you've been very highly spoken of from my friend, Christine Griffin, um, and you do have an impressive background. As a matter of fact, it's Dr. Oshie Harrison. So first... Could you tell us about the New England ADA Center and what services you provide? I sure can. And Joyce, I just wanted to add, we got 2,000 people on Boston Common for the ADA event uh, this summer, and that's, that's a, a number I wanted to throw out there. We were just very pleased. It was a wonderful day, and I'm very excited uh, to talk with you because I work at a very exciting place. Um, yeah, you in- do. Yeah, thousand. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah, uh, the Institute for Human Centered Design is home to the ADA Center, to the New England ADA Center, and at the Institute, we are experts in the disability laws, and we go beyond the requirements of the law into an area called universal design, also known as inclusive design or design for all, and we design environments, products and information communication technologies for the spectrum of users of all abilities and all ages. We employ architects and designers who are experts in disability laws. And the New England ADA Center, on behalf of the Institute for Human Center Design, uh, offers free public web courses available 24-7 online, workshops on how to read architectural plans, and ADA field-based trainings for cities and towns. You know, some of our universal design work can be seen at places like Spalding Rehab Hospital in Boston, the 9-11 Museum in New York City, and American University in D.C. 
And to learn more about us, you can just uh, go to our website, humancenteredesign.org, and you can learn all about the New England ADA Center as well as the nine other centers that comprise the ADA National Network. Wow. That is really impressive. That's awesome. Yes, I'll have to come up and visit you. I mean, that that is really great. You're doing a lot of good stuff there. Yes, we're uh, located right across the street from TD Garden where all the the, uh, hockey teams and uh, uh, sports teams play, and uh, it's quite a nice area. I'd love to just show you around. Love that. You know, Oshi, I read when I was reading your background that you did research on the impact of the Great Recession on people with disabilities and unemployment, and I'm sure that's very involved. But overall, like, what were some of your key findings? Well, yes, we were very fortunate to partner with the Center for Labor Market Studies uh, at Drexel uh, and do research, and it's it is very clear in our findings uh, that the Great Recession imposed a far greater level of hardship on people with disabilities than people without disabilities. Um, it is equally clear that the nature of unemployment and the reasons for it and the experience, the experience of it were markedly different for persons with disabilities than for persons without disabilities. And surprisingly, the primary reasons for persons with disabilities, the unemployment of persons with disabilities were linked to health status and disability and family child care responsibilities. And our findings for people without disabilities were linked to the demand, or I should say a labor demand shift. And we were uh, rather surprised by these uh, findings, but um, they held true. And, but here's the kicker, Joyce. We also looked at the older worker, age 55 plus, and the older worker gained employment during the Great Recession. And this is projected uh, till the year 2000, 2020. And we know today that, you know, if you look around in the workplace, and Department of Labor confirms this, that 25 to 30 percent of the labor market are people over 55. And we know that the incidence of disability increases as we age. So whether by choice or necessity, the older worker is staying employed. And a major implication of that study is that with so many people needing accommodations in the workplace, it makes practical sense to implement universal design. (coughs) Yeah. Isn't that the truth? That's very interesting. I read about that, and I thought, wow, I'd like to hear about that. Um, Is that published? Can you get access to that? Yes. Um, Our studies are published on our website, newenglandada.org, and that's newenglandada.org. Okay. We'll have to check that out. Marion, how about you telling us about the Mid-Atlantic ADA Center and about ADA-NN? Well, um, the uh, Mid-Atlantic ADA Center, as she said, we're one of 10 centers in the country that provide, you know, information, materials, resources, and training on all aspects of the ADA. Um, one of the things that we special, specialize here in the Mid-Atlantic region is we host 
the adahospitality.org website for the ADA National Network. And on that website, um, there's lots of materials and training uh, resources for uh, folks who are doing especially hospitality venues uh, such as restaurants and hotels, as well as other customer service uh, related um, items. We have two brand new products that um, we've released um, around the anniversary of the ADA. One is an accessible meetings guide that uh, was basis of a guide that was available 22 years ago and needed uh, updating. And we took it on. It's a web-based document now that folks can go on based on whether they're an attendee at a meeting, whether they are um, the host of a meeting, or whether they are sponsoring the meeting. And it'll give you lots of resources and information uh, how to make sure that your meeting, your conference, and uh, your expo are fully accessible to people with disabilities. Um, there's lots of great links to other documents. So it, it has become, we hope, a go-to uh, resource for those who are planning meetings as small as something in their office to something as large as thousands of people um, attending a, um, a major conference or expo. Um, the other uh, product that we have unveiled is um, a film called At Your Service. Um, we've been hearing from the business community and state and local government entities and others that there really wasn't a good current film on how people interact with people with disabilities. We know that people are getting more and more comfortable seeing people with disabilities out and about in the community, but we're still seeing and hearing that there's a huge reluctance to want to interact with people with disabilities. Um, people are afraid that they're going to offend the person with a disability by saying the wrong thing or not referring to them and their disability correctly. So instead of engaging with a person with a disability, they um, have a tendency to ignore them. So I think in many of the centers, our experiences, we're still getting a lot of requests for training and information on disability etiquette, and that's still 25 years after the passage of the ADA. So we asked um, a noted film company, Storyline, that did um, a very notable film called uh, Lives Worth Living that highlights right. um, mm -hmm. uh, leaders with disabilities. And we asked them to do a 20-minute film for us. And it features people with a variety of disabilities talking about how they like to be um, interacted with. Um, and it's available um, streaming on our website um, for free. Um, on adainfo.org and on adahospitality.org. And it's available um, in Spanish, um, audio described, and open captioned. And we also have a two-minute preview that folks can check out to see more about the film before they invest their 20 minutes. So we hope that this will be a, a great tool for um, the business community and government entities and others providing customer service to become more comfortable 
about um, communicating and talking with and assisting people with disabilities. That is awesome. What is your website again? It's ADAinfo, all one word, dot org, and ADAhospitality.org. All right. We'll check that out, and I would encourage everyone else to do so. Right now, though, we have to go to break. If you just joined us, we've been talking to Marion Vessels, the director of the Mid-Atlantic ADA Center. We've been talking to Robert Jones, the director of the Great Lakes ADA Center, and Oshi Harrison, director of the New England ADA Center. We'll be right back to talk to them. This is Joyce Bender, America's Voice, where disability matters at voiceamerica.com. We'll be back. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com Since 1985, Bender Consulting Services has served as a national leader in advancing employment of people with disabilities, including veterans with disabilities, with private sector companies, and federal government agencies. Bender assists customers with achieving their diversity and workforce inclusion initiatives by tapping into a talent pool of individuals seeking professional positions, including those in the STEM fields. In addition, Bender services include disability employment consulting, training and technology accessibility through their high-test line of service. For more information, please visit www.benderconsult.com. Hi, I'm Greg Grumberg from the TV show Heroes. One of my personal heroes is my son, who, like more than 3 million Americans, has epilepsy. When someone with epilepsy is having a seizure, their brain is temporarily producing more electricity than their body can handle. They can shake or stare or fall down. They can also even briefly lose consciousness. If you see someone having a seizure, please make sure they're comfortable and safe. And within a few minutes or less, the electrical overload will stop and they will be okay. To learn more, visit epilepsyfoundation.org. Thank you. News. Opinion. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. If you have a question or comment, call in toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now please welcome back the host of Disability Matters, here's Joy Spender. Welcome back, everyone. If you just joined us, we are talking to Oshi Harrison, the director of the New England ADA Center, Robin Jones from the Great Lakes ADA Center, and Marion Vessels, the director of the Mid-Atlantic ADA Center. Robin, talking about the Great Lakes ADA Center at the University of Illinois at Chicago. By the way, we love everything you're doing in baseball. So just wanted to let you know that. So listen, what does it mean to focus your services on promoting voluntary compliance? 
Well, thank you for the opportunity um, to talk a little bit about this. And, yes, uh, everyone's quite excited about the Cubs uh, and our trajectory um, towards the World Series. Um, yeah, the Great Lakes ADA Center is housed uh, within the University of Illinois at Chicago. It's uh, the only uh, of the 10 ADA centers housed within what is known nationally as the UCED or the University Centers for Excellence in Developmental Disabilities. Um, and we, uh, by that placement in the um, University of Illinois and, and uh, in the UCED, um, also within an academic program on disability studies, we have a lot of different resources and expertise that we can draw upon um, to help uh, facilitate um, the activities and such of our, of our center. Uh, the, you know, we've been now, as I said earlier, we're talking about the 25 years now of, uh, of the ADA center and we have a unique area because we have a very large geographic area, um, density of population, um, probably not as many as the miles maybe as some of the centers that um, may include larger states like Texas and such or California, but just the density of population in the six-state area is huge, and the number of Fortune 500 companies that are headquartered in our region, um, and as well as small businesses uh, and the number of large um, and small government um, entities when you look at uh, the Midwest and the Midwestern states. So, you know, different challenges that in, in order to try to meet the needs of all of those populations um, and such. Our center has focused a lot on um, looking because of the distances and, and the uh, challenges that we have trying to be everywhere and all the time when people want to is to really uh, branch out and look at uh, well, how can we provide our training in a way that people can access it more readily um, through like, distance learning opportunities and things. So we've kind of taken a lead in some of uh, the national efforts towards um, having distance learning uh, activities um, that uh, across architecture, across legal areas, um, and, and other um, areas of interest, accessible technology um, being another one of them and developing those collaborations with the key agencies uh, to do that. When you have a large geographic area, um, and, and I know my counterparts uh, um, have different challenges with their maybe more condensed geographic area that's similar um, in a lot of density, but we all have rural areas as well as um, heavily populated areas. So it's been a real uh, goal of ours to figure out how do we get information out to people in a way, in a manner that they can access it readily, uh, that if they their schedule is such that they can't get there uh, one day, um, that they can still go back and review that information through a recording or something of that nature as well. So, um, you know, I think that we've taken a leadership role in doing that, and it's great to see that many of my counterparts across the country have also um, expanded their offerings in distance learning. And what we're trying to model is what is the best practice in distance learning, um, what is the most accessible methods of uh, delivering that information to ensure that people with a variety of different disabilities can also access it because this is a huge barrier um, for individuals in education, individuals in employment, um, where employers are using more and more web-based interfaces to conduct business, yet the accessibility of many of those leave people with disabilities um, outside of that. So we have really um, taken on the challenge of looking at um, best practices for delivering um, uh, distance learning to ensure that it has full accessibility and providing then consultation to other entities that are doing distance learning um, to ensure that they're also incorporating accessibility and thinking about accessibility when they're delivering those programs. So um, I think what's unique about the ADA National Network is while we are a network of 10 centers which have this mission of promoting voluntary compliance, 
with the ADA and our training and our technical assistance efforts. We also, as you heard from Oshi and her um, discussion of being centered in the um, Center for Universal Design and um, and the unique um, uh, contributions that they have to make because of that um, place that they're centered or, or Marion and, and where she's located in the Washington, D.C. area and the close access to many of the federal partners and things of that nature um, in a very different way than, than some of us um, do that allows her to capitalize on that for some of her programs and services. Um, you know, we've all kind of developed an area that um, complements each other and um, helps to make the whole um, much stronger um, by spreading the, the knowledge, the expertise and such across uh, the 10 regions. So in, in the greater area, you know, this has been our um, passion in our area is to try to figure out how we can uh, get that information out to people in uh, more people, uh, more on a 24-hour uh, basis of, you know, on-demand um, basis, and also, also to ensure as we move into this much greater um, community of uh, electronic transmission and uh, sharing of information that we ensure that that information is accessible. You know, I'm really glad that I had the three of you on because I have to tell you, I don't think enough people know about all the things that are being offered at these ADA centers. I assure you, I didn't know that so much was done. So I, I hope if you're listening to this show, you take time to check this out. Um, and I know you can go to one of these websites and see where there is a center in your area. Uh, but, you know, I'm, I really, really am excited about what you are all doing. So... 25 years ago, the ADA was signed, and there are so many great things that happened, so many barriers brought down, you know, from curb cuts to uh, captioning to housing, transportation, uh, so, so many things. But the needle has not moved on employment, which is amazing and tragic. So we'll start with you, Marion. Why do you think that is? Well, just uh, just to reinforce our national network, there is a website that is encompassing all ten of us. So if people want to go and find out where their regional ADA center is, they can go to ADA, T is in Tom, A is in Apple, dot org, ADATA dot org, and they will be able to click on a map and highlight what state they're in, and it will take them to their regional center. So that's an easy way to find their regional center. Um, so I just want to make sure that people know that there's yeah, a great easy way to find that. all thank of us. Thank you very much. Yeah, thank you. Um, you. You bring up a great question that um, I think has frustrated all of us in terms of not seeing the, the needle change. Although, you know, I think that there's an awful lot of people with disabilities who have never raised their hand and said they have disabilities um, that are getting accommodations. We hear from employment specialists that people are still hesitant to acknowledge they have disabilities on forms, such as the Census Bureau, and even in voluntary compliance, 503 compliance and other factors where people, you know, need to raise their hand and say they have a disability. But those folks are being accommodated in their workplace and um, are getting provisions um, required by the ADA but are not um, identifying themselves as such. So there still is a huge stigma um, 
in the disability community and in general with identifying themselves um, as people with disabilities. With that said, we still have an incredibly long way to go to make sure that people with disabilities um, are still seen as valuable employees as well as customers. Um, and um, it is our goal as the ADA centers to provide that information and support and resources to both people with disabilities and the employment community to walk them through the process to make sure that it's a very safe environment when they come to us that they know that we're going to be providing them not only what the law says, but how to take those next steps. So I want people to know how user-friendly we are. We won't just tell them what the reg says, but tell them what the process should be, what their resources are. Our websites are full with great documents and supportive processes to be able to assist people to that next step. Um, so all they need to do is pick up the phone or, or get on our website, send us an email with their questions and concerns about how they can comply with the ADA. Yeah, so many comments you made that are so true. How about you, Robin? What do you think? Uh, you know, the, 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 the big thing for employment to continues to be the issue of the attitudes um, that employers continue to have, the fears uh, that exist, even though we try to get information out there. Um, through our efforts and through many other efforts with the Department of Labor and other um, organizations about the um, the truth about uh, employing people with disabilities, the, the advantages of, of employing people with disabilities, the resources, as Marion said, available to help employers um, to do this. But we, we still have not broken down a lot of those attitudinal barriers that make employers fearful of hiring people with disabilities or not necessarily valuing um, the, the skills and abilities that people with disabilities have. But I also think it goes down... Um, and we have to really give more attention to this, and some groups are, and I think we're just needing to continue to build on it, is building the new generation um, uh, of individuals with disabilities that, you know, what we call the ADA generation, those born after the ADA, and looking at um, how they um, are receiving services from transition um, K-12 to college or right into the workforce, um, what supports that they're receiving, what um, matching those uh, skills and, and um, knowledge that are employers need with what we're providing uh, those individuals and uh, really showing um, the success stories out there every possible way that we can um, so that in, uh, employers and others, uh, individuals with disabilities, see what their possibilities are, um, their parents and, and uh, their um, supporters see what their, their possibilities are, and then that employers really uh, start to embrace um, this issue more and more. And I think that we're making headway, but we're not there yet. And I really think that um, we're kind of on a cusp right now. Which I, I just recently attended the USBLN conference um, in Austin, Texas, and was very encouraged by some of the energy that I saw there for um, businesses and those that came to our booth. We had a booth at the USBLN conference, and um, we had a lot of employers who came and, you know, still weren't aware of the resources that are out there um, to help them with their employment. And here's what I would call the choir, those that are already part of an organization promoting employment of people with disabilities. So if they don't know everything's available, we can't necessarily assume um, that the business that's not connected to does. So we still have to work on our strategies of how do we get um, the linkages to the business, but also not to forget 
um, what we have going on with um, still individuals with disabilities not receiving the, the supports and the services that they need um, to, to link them to um, career paths that will uh, get them jobs um, and link them with, them with employers. Uh, the other thing I think that we need to, to capitalize on and we need to really look at its opportunities is with the new Section 503 legislation um, with federal contractors having an obligation to ensure that they are proactively recruiting and hiring people with disabilities. It's really to start linking people um, who are looking for jobs up with who are those contractors and how do they get, gain access to some of those contractors for potential employment opportunities because I think this is a, a huge area where we can uh, potentially start to move the noodle, needle um, with some employment opportunities that while legislated um, by uh, law to have to employ people with disabilities are a lot of opportunities to start to open doors for people um, at the same time. Right. Yeah, that BLN conference was awesome. I mean, it yeah. was energizing. That was great to see so many companies uh, interested. It really was. How about you, Oshi? What do you think? Well, I think that uh, it's very, very complicated, and there are so many pieces to it, and certainly Miriam and Robin have spoken to the many aspects of it, and I'd like to throw in another aspect and actually focus a little bit on youth because, you know, when the ADA was passed, it was largely a fight by and for people using wheelchairs and people who were deaf and blind. But today, Joyce, I mean, the nature and prevalence rates of disability are drastically different. You know, I'd like to first look at youth, you know, age 16 to 30, because they have the highest unemployment rate of all the age groups, whether or not you have a disability or do not have one. And in all right, youth let's with repeat that. Wait, let's repeat that age group. Which, what is that again? It's age 16 to 30 years old. They have the highest right. unemployment rate of all the age groups, with or without a disability. Which is so terrible. And you go ahead. Most yes. Uh, in youth, the most common disabilities are all brain-based, learning disabilities, intellectual disabilities, and emotional disabilities. And most disabilities uh, that are brain-based uh, are invisible in youth, such as ADHD and autism. Now, you couple this with a knowledge-based labor market economy. In Massachusetts, we did a study. We looked at high school students from their last year in high school to their first year of college, and we followed them around, um, you know, through databases. Uh, this study has, has never been done uh, before this, and it has still not been done. I don't want to go into the methodology. It'll take too much time. But I want to say that what we found in Massachusetts was that, and it echoed the national um, uh, statistics as well, that students with disabilities two to one, are going to open enrollment public community colleges versus four-year public or private or any of the counterpart um, colleges. And this is a little bit of a disadvantage for um, all youth that go to community colleges uh, because it's open enrollment, uh, you just have your name there, you write a check, and if you drop out of community college, it is really... Uh, a life on SSI, SSDI. That, that's kind of it for you. So we have an economy that is knowledge-based, and we have youth with disabilities that have brain-based disabilities, and I really and truly believe that we need the resources and support to get these kids educated and trained to, you know, uh, stay in school, 
and graduate college in order to compete against, you know, youth without disabilities. And I'm sorry to say compete against, but, you know, this is the reality. Right. Yeah. One I of mean, the realities. Uh, yeah, we got to do something about that. You know what? I got to tell you something, you three champions. This show is going much faster than I anticipated because you all have so many great ideas. I hope if you're listening, by the way, this show will be archived on my website and voiceamerica.com. And if you want to share that with anyone, you can go back and have them listen. But before we close the show, I wanted to ask each of you, what message would you like to leave with our listeners today? And, Marion, I'll start with you. Uh, my message is that the ADA centers are a wonderful resource for anyone to find out the rights and responsibilities under the ADA to help make sure that the U.S. is a more inclusive society. And what is your website again? If they go to adata.org, they will find each of the ADA centers, the 10 regional ADA centers located there. But you are at the Mid-Atlantic. I'm at adainfo.org. But, I mean, you're located in Washington, D.C. We're in the Mid-Atlantic region, yes. Okay. Well, where, are you, where is your physical office? We're in Rockville, Maryland. Okay. All right. Well, that is good information from you, and I hope everyone listens. How about you, Robin? So, in essence, I think uh, aside from the fact that, um, as Marion said, to reinforce that, you know, there are resources out there. There are um, there is information to help people understand uh, better what their obligations and their responsibilities are. Um, we don't ever um, feel that there is a wrong question. I think every question that comes across um, helps everyone um, understand these things better, and that um, we, you know, continue to want to get the message across that while. We have a lot to celebrate with the anniversary of the ADA, and we have um, a lot going on in all of our regions as it relates to that celebration. Let's not forget that we still have a lot of work to do um, and that there is a need to continue to keep the ADA um, and its implementation in the forefront of our minds and to use the available resources and really do encourage you to tap into what you have in your region, um, a rich set of resources and assistance to help you and connect you to um, other resources that might be able to also assist you. Don't be afraid to ask. And, Oshie, what about you? We only have about a minute left, but is there anything you'd like to share? I want to thank you for this opportunity to showcase the ADA centers, and my message is we are passing the torch to the next generation. In 25 years, we will celebrate the 50th anniversary, and we will look back and say, wow. Yes. Amen to that. Well, I end every show with a quote, and our quote today so fits this because it is from Martin Luther King, Jr., who said, it is not possible to be in favor of justice for some people and not be in favor of justice for all people. This is Joyce Bender, America's Voice, where disability matters at voiceamerica.com. Hey, talk to you all next week.
Voice America would like to thank you for tuning in. Please join us next Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time for another installment of Disability Matters right here on the Internet Leader and Talk Radio, voiceamerica.com. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. 